Kelly's first date move used to actually be back to the leather room. <laughs> they he'd take him to the leather room and then off to Wiener Schnitzel. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench Podcast. Podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Builder, Colton of Colt Crick, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 15, Lone Wolf McQuaid. And today we actually have a very special guest, Mr. Kelly Mowry, who is a leather daddy craftsman. <laughs> Kelly, Indeed. welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. You're welcome. So uh, just a little bit of background. Uh, I mean, do you want to fill us in on how you got connected to us? I mean, wh- where where did this journey begin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, years back now. Um, so Colton and I went to school together at Texas A&M. Um, and hell yeah. And we were, uh, so we were in the same special unit. I don't know, has Colton gotten into the, the Corps of Cadets at all? Not, um, not too much. Okay. No, not really. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's hard to de- it's sort of hard to describe for people who don't have any reference A and M. It's like um, it's like a ROTC and a fraternity yeah, mixed together. You don't have to join the military. It's kind of like obviously Colton and I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. You can be a cadet for fun, but um, yeah, you like wear a uniform to class, and uh, they have they have some of these like they have some special units uh, like the Ross Volunteers, which is like the honor guard for the state of Texas, and then. Um, what we were in it was Parsons Mounted Cavalry, which is sort of like a revivalist uh, pre World War One horse cavalry unit. Um, okay, so that's really where where Colton and I met and bonded and uh, became best good friends. What was the uh, name of of either one of your noble steeds? Uh, I, rode, I, I rode Mama a, a lot my senior yeah. year. I think. So what yeah, was I your horse's her- name? Uh, I rode Colonel my junior year and Travis my senior year. Colonel was the the near wheel horse on the cannon team. We we pulled the we pulled the cannon from the barn to to Kyle Field, and that's what we shoot um, whenever the Aggies score. So that was were pretty you, cool. Were you guys there during the Johnny Manziel era? That was yep. yeah. That, that was right when we were there, and that was actually kind of a pain because we had to keep. Uh, around in the cannon at all times because you never knew when johnny was gonna catch a breakaway and just like bring it home so yeah you shoot the cannon after touchdowns do we say that yeah. yeah yeah i think so yeah okay okay so what and, what and, go oh, go ahead, what sorry. got you into the the leather craftsmanship so it was actually that um that that cavalry unit um i ended up being a summer worker um for like for the for the cabs so like uh they usually had two cadets like who were planning on taking summer classes anyways to just um like watch after the horses we brought them to a, a different pasture and just kind of like uh let them range a little bit and so but they needed checked on pretty much every day and then the civilian advisor for that unit was a saddle maker himself for i don't know 10 or so years and so he kind of taught me a lot about like saddle repair and uh, just like general tag repair and then sort of like some basics in terms of like carving and, and um, just like construction of, of uh, 
I don't know, different like holsters and, and knife sheaths and stuff like that. But he gave me some books too, to kind of like learn on my own. And, uh, yeah, I just stayed in that, in that leather shop and, um, yeah, man, I was there at all hours. It was cool because I could, I could go in cause there was like no security at this joint. It was like a barn, you know, and I, all the, the combinations on the locks are probably still the same. Um, <laughs> So you could just like, I could just walk in and, and do leather work pretty much at all hours. And since Bob, the advisor guy knew me, uh, yeah, uh, he, he knew my car. So he would drive by and be like, Oh, it's this guy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's how I got into it. And then I started selling stuff. Um, I would sell knife sheaths and like spur straps and, uh, some, some pistol holsters and sort of stuff some like belts. that. Yeah. I made belts. Um, I don't really do belts anymore and we'll, we can talk about this later when we talk about like tools and stuff, but you really need a sewing machine when you're making belts. Um, and I do not have a sewing machine currently. So, um, I mean, you don't yeah, need we... a sewing machine. It just makes life much easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, yeah, I would assume so... with the mustache, like you're rocking like the pre civil war stash that oh i mean you just well i gotta do that i gotta do that for work now because i have to wear a respirator sometimes and you can't have a have a beard when you when you're doing that so that's true Uh, but yeah but yeah so that's that's how i've sort of gotten into uh, sort of how i got into leather work and yeah i don't know i was just really um i was not so interested in um i guess like the academic aspect of college but all the all the fun bonus stuff, getting to play cowboy and, and uh, do leather work. That, that was like my real main passion while I was there. Um, Have you so ever yeah. had to create like a full head to toe, like chaps and gun holster and like quick draw kind of stuff so that somebody could could do like a Western reenactment? So, no, I haven't, but I have done basically all the components to that. Um, like I've done, I've done chaps before, or at least I've done like a farrier's apron, um, which is like basically like chaps. Um, and then you made my brother, um, a nice, uh, holster for his 357. Yeah. With like a thigh strap and everything. Yeah. That was pretty slick. Yeah. Does your brother quick draw? (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) that was more for him to to keep in the bow blind in case he saw hogs. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I've done I've done pretty big like uh like like uh she's for like uh Bowie knives and um I there's been like so and, and there's been so many one-off projects that I've done it's like hard to keep it all in my mind like I've done yeah, I don't know. Then Just let me re- ask you a question because this yeah. has always been on my mind when it comes to leather work. Is it all by personal preference? either to have tassels and or the length of the tassels off of whatever you're making, whether it's saddlebags or uh, chaps or uh, 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 I mean, purses uh, like even. A, yeah. Like yeah. purses. Like, is it just a fashion thing or is there something to having ridiculous amounts of tassels coming off of <laughs> all your leather work? I think I, it's personal you know, preference. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't think uh, I, I've never made anything with tassels, but yeah, I think that's just uh, it's just the uh, it's just a little flash, you know. Okay, in case they want to dust while they're walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, whenever I think of like yeah. Daniel Boone and like his leather uh, knife holster, 
I always think of like these massive tassels coming off of it, and I don't know what purpose they served. So yeah, I was just curious. Or you could you could wave it around if it's like on the butt of your knife if you, if there's like flies around. I don't know. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably many uses. You know, S and M, probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is so, which is definitely a market I I would like to get into. Heck yeah! Um, like whenever I get an actual setup going, that's uh, yeah. I'm like uh like the the gay leather daddy scene. There's like there's so much money to be made there, and uh, and like uh like Larper reenactors like that stuff too is just like oh there's please let me, let me just take your money like you're gonna love you're gonna love what I got for you, but I don't know I'm not I'm not set up for it yet. Yeah. Oh, you made some of those crazy, like the old mask for like yeah. flags. Like it looks like a big like crow's it's like beak spy almost. versus spy looking mask. Yeah, the yeah, uh, great like, reference by the commemorative the big eyes uh, COVID on it. plague mask. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. I made a did, few of those. Did so, they sell um, well? Actually, I have it on reliable sources or reliable La Casa sources that. Um, Kelly's first date move used to actually be back to the leather room. <laughs> <laughs> they he take him to the leather room and then off to Wiener Schnitzel. Oh was no, it was it? no, it was uh, uh, hot dogs, etc. Hot dogs, etc. Even oh, better. Yeah. That was uh, it's like oh we're well, I mean we're already on eleven fifty five. I mean we can just stop by. Yeah, Korea. I can show you the leather shop real quick. It's no big deal or anything. Here's the leather shop. Yeah. Did <laughs> give him the the, like, the dogs, etc. Before you the little dog before you get the big dog. Yeah. Did yeah, yeah, any yeah. of the girls get scared away by like a leather shop? No, I think uh, I I feel like the type that I would go for were typically pretty into it. So. Okay. Okay. And wh- mm-hmm. where were you finding said women? Oh, tender, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, chicks dig guys yeah. that big stuff with their hands. They always have. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but yeah and there was usually horses wandering around too so they're all about that also so that was, that's a good way to so that. where do you get most of your do you just make what you want to make and sell it or do you get people that make orders for things or a little bit of both yeah i uh i'll if there's something i want to make i'll usually do a prototype and then just post it on my instagram and then be like orders orders up you know like let me books gotcha. are open um and some things have been um oh excuse me more successful than others i make these uh these little simple little valet trays they're like uh they're just like squares and then you uh rivet the sides and it makes a little a little tray um i've sold like quite a few well for me quite a few i've sold probably like 40 of those um and i charge i don't i probably don't charge enough I don't really keep track of my time because just with the the sewing machine aspect of it, it's like, can I, I mean, I'm charging it as if I had a sewing machine, um, but I'm, but you don't have a sewing machine. No, I I'm probably making like $12 an hour making these things. uh, Okay. Materials. So, so, but, but for me, like, so long as I'm covering materials, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a true hobby. So um, where point. do you get your materials? Like, oh, I mean, we obviously go yeah, to like the lumber yard. My questions. Where are you sourcing leather from? Uh, there's a decent Cows. amount of uh, of wholesalers um, that do small orders as well. So um, I think the company that I order most of my Herman Oak skirting from is uh, it's called Panhandle Leather. They're out of Amarillo, and then um, 
I just got some English bridal um, from a company called Maker's Leather Supply. And they're, they're also a Texas company. I don't know where they are exactly, but um, yeah, I've mostly been going through those two. And then uh, Tandy is a really popular, um, like, like basic DIYer, um, like leather shop. They're like nationwide. You, they got, they got stores all over the place, but they sell, I would say like lower quality uh, material, but for, for some stuff, like for uh, like apron leather or something I would use for chaps or anything like that, then I could just go through them. And aside, aside of like apron leather could range from like 80 to a hundred bucks. Um, and for the nicer stuff, like um, your, your like tooling leather, that's going to be like about 200, 220 aside. And then I think like, um, like, like fine English bridal leather, that's like 250 aside. And the sides are about 11 square feet, I think. So, um, yeah, about 20 bucks a, 20 bucks a foot, square foot. So the, mostly like beef leather, I guess. I don't know if that's yeah, right yeah, I use it. it's all it's pretty much all cow, um, or I, I sometimes use calf leather for uh, for liners, um, but yeah, yeah, and then you can when you do when you order it you can uh, it's uh, you can order it by like thickness, um, but the way that. the way leather is uh, they do it by weight, so um, like one like one to two ounces like the lightest you can get and then it goes all the way up to like 15 which is like a half inch thick um, oh, really half inch holy yeah most of what i thick. use is like four to five five to six it depends it depends what i'm making if, if it's going to be lined you want to you want to like lighter is better um so i think like four to five is what i'm gonna start uh using mostly from here out um because like uh lining lining your pieces really adds just like a I don't know. That's that's it. It adds a bit of professionalism and also like quality because if if leather work is lined, it's going to last like ten times longer. Right. Um, if you've ever gotten a belt that that was just uh, like rough on one side, um, try getting a, a belt that's lined next time, and then just see how see how they they last comparatively because. Yeah, I have a line belt and it's it's last. I had a line belt and it lasted me like eleven years that I made for myself when I was in college, and it was like holy cow. There's really something to lining your stuff. So, so I, I have. Just, a, go ahead. Go ahead. I actually had a question uh, about maintenance of some of the leather stuff that you may or may not have. As you said, some stuff that's double line will last much better. I actually made the upgrade from my shop apron to a. I was told it was buffalo hide. Turns out it's water buffalo hide because it came from mm -hmm. India. Um, yep. But uh, I've noticed that compared to the canvas aprons that I had in the past, the canvas aprons were a lot more flexible, but I also would literally have like my tools cut through them after about a year. Totally. Any of the things I kept on my apron. Now on the leather one, it's great because the tools haven't cut through, but the thing also doesn't bend. So like my mm -hmm. range of motion is very, very limited. What would yeah. you recommend to be able to break in a shop apron or just a a larger piece like that? Um, well, I so I mean, you could you could put you could put like um 
different. You can, I, honestly, you could try putting a olive oil on it to see how that that takes it up. Usually, I treat my stuff with olive oil before I uh, like finish it. But yeah, I mean, so an oil is going to give you more pliability, but you also have the risk of it like leaching onto your clothes. Um, is that virgin I, olive oil? Yeah, I use just your standard cooking extra virgin mm. olive oil. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily would necessarily be the right would be the right move. I use this stuff called Skidmore's uh, saddle cream on pretty much everything that I that I own, and um, that's the same stuff when we were in the cab that we would treat our saddles with. And um, it's a conditioner, uh, and uh, it's got like beeswax in it, so it also seals the uh, the pores in the leather too. So it keeps dirt from getting in there it's it's really good stuff it's it's pretty it's pretty spendy though i think um i think a gallon of it is like 80 dollars. which i mean i don't know uh if that's spendy or not but it's for it is for me at least um but yeah that's that's really good stuff and you can use that on your on your boots or just everything and i think that that might because if you use it enough you know it'll build up enough oil in there to to make it plenty pliable okay have you ever heard of a uh, walrus oil, Kelly? I have from you. Okay, so um, I got, I bought a canister of their um, their leather oil or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's in a like a pomade can or whatever. Yeah, and um, I think it has some oils and maybe some waxes or whatever. But um, yeah, I was trying that out. So Kelly made our dogs some collars, some really nice collars, and. Um, you know, one collar was big for the pit bull and the other one was really small for the Yorkie and uh, really amazing tooling. And he put their names in it and stuff. But uh, Tex got sprayed by a skunk and um, he, he fucked that skunk up. <laughs> but but uh, skunk also got him pretty good, too. And his collar, I cannot get the, the smell out of it. Like I've tried some different things and like I covered it in like a natural deodorant and then wiped all of it out and then, then oiled it real hard after that. I don't know if that's the right move or not. Have you tried tomato um, juice? Tried what juice? Tomato. Just soaking the colorant. Oh no. Yeah. So tomato juice is typically the natural antigen of getting skunked. I saw that on Lassie. Kelly, do you think that would you think that would you think that would die the collar? Well, if it does, if it ruins it, screw it. I'll make you another one. No big deal. Um, But I would I would definitely try that, dude. Guys, speaking of like rodents, critters, just a minute ago, I we noticed a really bad smell and traced it back to the back of our oven. I got to tell somebody about this because this is the strangest. The back of your oven. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, there's no way, there's no way something's back there, but like. This smell—it's like that's—that's where it was the strongest. Sure enough, dude, there was a big rat like stuck in the back of the oven. Like we took a panel off, and it had its face like jammed in where these wires were going. And I guess it must have got stuck, but it was like it was like a mummified rat, partially cooked. I'm assuming. What's that? Well done. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh man, no, it was, dude. It was so bad. This was like. Oh man, yeah, that was a that was a crazy turn of events. Like when I got home, because <laughs> I did not expect that to happen. Anyway, oh, toasty. Yeah, hey, was, yeah, Kelly, you're up in North Dakota now. Is that uh, right? Or... Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Eh? Yep. yep. Minnesota. Oh yeah, Minnesota. Where in uh, yeah. the great uh, Ten Thousand Lake State are you, bud? 
Uh, Duluth. It's uh, it's right by the by the biggest one we got. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Lake Superior. Yeah, not too far. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'll actually be so up you're there actually... in uh, mid mid uh, August. I'll come by and What's say that? hi. I'll be up in. Duluth. Oh, you're coming up. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, actually, hit me up, man. That'd be great. All right. So yeah, Ross can... isn't too far from you up in Chicago. Can oh. you? T- that's right. Right. You're from Chicago. Uh, sorry, my wife. Uh, she she grew up in uh, Winnetka. If you're familiar oh, with that. that is about uh, 20 minutes south of me. Oh yeah, south. Yeah. Okay, so you're uh, yeah. Wait, where? where uh, Lake Bluff, Lake Forest stuff. area. What's that? Lake Bluff, Lake Forest area. So where the Bears practice? I'm one town north. Okay, I've yeah, I've definitely heard of Lake Forest before. Sweet. Sorry, Jess was going to ask a question. Uh, back to leather. Um, what? uh is bonded leather because you like buy belts well, it and goes they say back to that whole leather. Uh, leather daddy thing <laughs> i don't think so i was well because oh. the reason i ask is like i i always bought bonded leather belts like dickie's belts and stuff but i have this belt that i bought from american eagle uh 30 years ago and it's just rough on one side just one piece of leather that was like dyed which it's it's all nice and worn in now but that's been the best belt that I've ever had. And oh. I buy bonded leather belts and they always tend to like, it's like two sides of good leather on either side, I guess. Maybe it's just the glue coming apart over okay. time, but they start to separate. But what is yeah, bonded yeah. leather? So I'm, I'm assuming that just means uh, two pieces of leather glued together. So it's like that you got the, the smooth side on both sides, right? Right, right. So yeah, so the, the flesh side or the rough side or whatever you want to call it, that um that's like um that's all that's like uh uh like an ingrain that would the example would be like ingrain for wood so it just sucks up everything um so when you have the when you have the 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 skin side the smooth side uh facing you know whatever is going to be taken the elements that's gonna the the pores are are a lot tighter and they're not gonna suck up as much um gotcha and sweat and all that Gotcha. I have a question about leather working as well. You always see, I'm assuming it's either just standard cow leather or calf leather as a baseball glove. But if somebody wanted to get like alligator or like ostrich made My into dad a had baseball shark, glove, shark boots, kangaroo. Yeah. But shark, like if you wanted I, I had a kangaroo uh, catcher's mitt growing up. Yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. I was, was wondering a, if they ever kangaroo. made them. That's awesome. Yeah, but can you make them out of other things? Obviously, other than just the kangaroo or the cow. Uh, I mean, I feel like you could, but I think uh, part of uh, I I, like I haven't I haven't really worked with exotics, but there's something that makes me feel like like they're they're maybe not quite as um, pliable. uh, Yeah, and and durable and like the thickness I think would be off. I don't think you could get like a thick. Uh, I mean, you could probably do it out of like elephant or something like that. Um, You're I'm not mean, getting a 10, 10 ounce leather off a rabbit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. My, my dad I don't had know. I, deer skin okay. boots and they just would, they were so scratchy. Like you would just touch them and it would come. They were super soft and comfortable, but then he had the best ones he ever had were shark skin. The shark skin was soft from day one, but you couldn't hurt it. It was like incredibly hmm. tough they were also very expensive and ostrich he had ostrich boots too alligator 
but yeah. Yeah, Kelly, you ever look into making boots or moccasins or something? I could definitely do moccasins. Shoot, I'd probably just get a. You can go to like Hobby Lobby or uh, like a Michaels or whatever, and they have like kits. I would probably just like use that as a pattern and just like throw whatever uh, crappy leather they give you away and just kind of like go use that as a template. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it's like boot making is is very much a specialty that requires like a whole setup. Yeah. And um, like that's that's definitely um, one of those old timey type um, uh, like crafts that that you really got to like kind of study under somebody. And uh, it's dying as- off in a big way. Like there's a there's a big resurgence on TikTok for shoe repair and boot repair. And mm-hmm. you're right. The tools that they have are literally like passed down from the, yep. who they apprenticed under. And they're like 150 year old tools that nobody makes anymore. I've never yeah. seen a cobbler with like nice new shiny equipment. It's always like 40, 50, yeah. 60 years old cast iron stuff, even the sewing machines. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the that's definitely the vibe with uh with saddle makers too. Although um, I don't know, there's a guy uh, who was uh, he's he was originally out of uh, Bryan, Texas. Um, Don Gonzalez, he's a he's a saddle maker. I forget where he moved to, but he's got a whole um, YouTube series that I that I really appreciate. He uh, he's got like just so many videos, just like little his like little tips and tricks of the trade um which is crazy that this stuff exists and that he's that he's doing this because that was a like saddle makers never did that stuff if you went into a saddle shop and they were tooling or whatever they they, this is like kind of how the story stories go at least um if somebody if a guy was tooling he would he would throw a sheepskin over the work he was doing and he, he wouldn't touch it while you were in the shop because he it's like those trade secrets that's like that's like intellectual property you know that's if, if that stuff gets out then then you know the the edge that that guy has is um yeah it's he doesn't want people learning his tricks so it's it's really cool that that you've got people on tiktok and youtube um like putting this stuff in the world because yeah otherwise it would just yeah i don't think you could find people to to apprentice like that anymore um, just with how expensive it is to exist. Are there schools to go to for leather working or do you have to just apprentice? I don't know about schools. They definitely have like for-profit workshops. Um, I'm, that's like a, a, like a really popular thing nowadays. Um, you can go, I think, uh, so Tandy stores, the, the shop that I was, uh, talking about, like the nationwide thing, they have, um, I think they probably put on little little workshops. You can just go in, and they have like the people who work there are like hobbyist leather workers too, and they'll like uh, teach you like basic tooling and stuff. Um, I've kind of walked in on on that happening a couple times, but I don't I don't think there's like a like a, a an established school that 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 teaches that kind of stuff. Interesting. It's a it's typically something that's handed down. I apologize if my audio changed. My phone was about to die, so I had to switch to Bluetooth headphones and plug it in. Uh, anyway, so um, I know m- around me growing up, there was a, in like every other town there was a shoe repairman or a cobbler, if you will. And uh, now 
I can't think of one within 30 miles of where I'm at. All the places have just, nobody brings their shoes in to get repaired. Like they just throw them away and get a new pair. So the whole industry is dying in a big way. So any way that people can keep, you know, any kind of leather working still around is, is huge. Yeah. yeah, well, here in Houston, we got the, the Houston Rodeo, so every, everyone's got their boots, even the city slickers who play cowboy for a month, which I guess I'm kind of included in that. But, um, but there's there's still a handful here, but, but yeah, yeah, they're, every, they're, yeah, they're, they're I, I, smaller. Shoes have I just, also, everything to do with leather has gotten so cheap. So people, it's cheaper to throw away sometimes than it is to fix it. There is still mm-hmm. some people out there that buy quality, like my dad had shoes that were, you know, five, six hundred dollars and he probably still has them. He just got mm-hmm. them fixed. You just get the soles replaced on them and that was it. Yeah. There is yeah, a limit funny. on how many times you can do that. I I was actually told by the cobbler last time I took in my pair of dress shoes uh that I wear typically with a suit. He's like, Yeah, you got maybe one more repair and then we gotta toss these. Like the leather that we're connecting it to is just <laughs> shot. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My my uh all leather red wings are at the at the shop right now getting a new sole on them too so uh it's funny when i was in uh i don't know if this is like a a regional thing but uh when i was in california we just moved to to minnesota in in january uh good time of year to move to minnesota dude (laughs) (laughs) i knew what i was getting myself into but like you don't expect it to be that painful um but yeah, I when I brought my boots to the Red Wing store the last time, they were like there was an option to have a local cobbler resole them, which uh, turnaround time on that was like uh, uh, much shorter than sending them to the. Even though the the headquarters where they where they send them to is here in Minnesota, it's like a three month like <laughs> uh, lead time for that. So it's like, all right, well, good thing it's summer. I can just wear chacos. Um, <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, I don't know, and I don't know if that's because um, there's a huge um, uh, like the Mexican diaspora in in Los Angeles is is I mean, pretty abundant. So I don't know, and and I know leather work in in Mexico is a big deal too. So I don't know if that's kind of a holdover from like Mexican immigrants too. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't speak to that. Cause <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing or not, but. Yeah, I think okay. there's probably more people in other countries that still do leather work by hand uh, yeah. than it's a, a, an American thing. Because I, I know that a lot of lot of stuff that you get that has to do with leather. Actually, interestingly, my this is my only leather story. The, the guy that I used to work with, his best friend in Guanajuato in Mexico, uh, which is a very big place, uh, had a tan. Mexico is quite big, yes. Well, Guanajuato, which not a lot of people know about, is a very large place with a very high population. And he had a tannery in the back of his house where they tan, they, you know, they soften the leather. And you could smell his house from miles away because the family, like it was like the the kids and the wife's duty as they walked through the town every day to pick up dog poo. And that is what they used to tan and soften the leather because of the ammonia and the other bacteria that's in it. And that's what they used to soften the leather. He said it was the most disgusting smell. He said you couldn't even believe it. I was like, you're that's, kidding me. And I looked it up and it's true. That's crazy. I've heard of I've heard of urine being used to tan yeah. leather. I haven't heard of like poop. 
That's yeah, crazy. Pretty, pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. I do 70s. know that uh, in the early 2000s, as uh, most ladies that I knew in high school and college would go tanning multiple times a week, they got pretty leathery. <laughs> And uh, it felt as if they were burning as well. So uh, I I feel, you know, connected to that story in a big way. I I appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome. Also, Kelly, speaking of your your Red Wings, uh, Mm -hmm. so for your your day job, you're you're stacking dimes. You're you're connecting. You work at the U.S. Mint? Connecting steel. Oh, I can finally be like, oh, if inflation is so bad, why don't we just print more money? Um, yeah, that'll no, solve it. Makes sense. No, um, uh, no, actually, so yeah, what I'm doing right now is sort of a, it's like a slight departure from from what I was doing. I, I'm doing layout for uh, like an induction bending, like an induction pipe bending facility right now. But I just got accepted to uh, to be a pipe fitter's apprentice. Um, so I will be stacking dimes legit. Um, yeah. In the next five years or so, but, uh, yeah, no, I was, I've been a welder for like four or five years now. Um, but yeah, um, it's, uh, I, I, cause I went to college and everything, but I, I realized that I didn't want to work inside. And, uh, so I, I went to, uh, I got an associate's degree in welding and fabrication and then just tried to. Tried to so, do that. very different sides between the leatherworking and welding. Do mm-hmm. you prefer one over the other, or do you try and incorporate both of them? Like, how's that work? Uh, well, you see, I, I, I like them both a lot. I, I like that I can I can do welding and get paid for it and work at a shop and do it. Um, if I could do that for leather work, yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be sweet. Um, but since it is like a hobby and like a special thing and like my quiet time and everything, I, I, I enjoy the fact that I can like not have to rely on doing something that I like to, to, you know, like survive, I guess. So if I could do leather work, I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, I have a hard time thinking about, um, that being like my primary source of income, you know, it's like, it's, it, it would be so hard for me to, to make that jump. I, I don't know if that answers your question at all. Yeah. Man, okay. So, uh, what's on your workbench? Just to tie things together with the uh, the podcast, do you have anything on your workbench right now? Uh so I've got I've got some some things in the books that I have. See, I just set my we just we moved houses uh, like a couple weeks ago, so I finally I actually had a piece of quarter inch plywood on there for for quite a while. Uh, I had to cut up and make. Uh, we got a wire shelving thing in the pantry, so I had to make uh, little uh, wood toppers for that, which is actually a pain in the ass because I only have a, a circular saw. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I bought I bought this guide thing at, at Harbor Freight being like, oh, this is perfect. This is all I need. But my I bought this circular saw at a pawn shop years ago, and the deck on it is, like, broken, too. So, like, the, the front <laughs> right corner isn't there. So I just have to look at the blade <laughs> to like follow the line it sucks oh man it's so frustrating uh and i'm used to just like taking sheets of uh, sheet metal and putting in a shear and it's like ah oh, perfect line mm-hmm. uh no so yeah uh, that was on there but no i have um i'm making a wallet and a shaving kit and a couple more um 
ballet trays. That's uh, that's what's that's what I got in the dock right now. Um, Do you have a favorite but, thing that you make in your arsenal? Like whenever an order comes in, you're like, oh hell yeah, I get to build that. Uh, there are some there's some of these really simple um, like bifold wallets uh, that that um, have a spot to put a like a money clip in. Those are those are sweet because they're very um, they're very simple. Um, they're, they're pretty elegant. Usually I just do a border tool around it. Um, and like maybe stamp some initials into it. And it, it like, I can charge a hundred dollars for it because like, that's, I mean, that's shoot, look up a handmade customized thing on anybody's website. And that's, that's what they're going to charge you for it. If not more. So, and I get a lot, I, I make it, that's a, a high margin piece, I guess. Cause, cause I'm using so little material, um, so yeah, I like those a lot. Um, but yeah, I, anything with a zipper is really so hard. Oh man, putting zippers in and then like getting it, getting the line. This is really all tying back to the lack of a sewing machine. Is what yeah. I'm hearing. Definitely. Is it yeah. is a leather a sewing machine expensive? Uh, the one I want is like two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's so, expensive. Yeah, like for me, that's like. That's very expensive, but well, that's twenty wallets. Yeah, 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 man. When I think about it that way, it's like, oh, dude, I could make this happen. But that, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah, you're spending, I, I, it, I you're spending it on girls. Yeah. <laughs> are you are what are you married now or have a girlfriend? Yeah, no, I'm married. Um, yeah, yeah, my okay, wife. And I been... Yeah, actually, for his his wedding gift for all the uh, attendees, um, he made this oh, really cool shoot, like I little uh, little like a keychain thing that had your initials on it and yeah. uh, me me and crystal still have both of ours on our keys to this day very cool and it's held up well yeah that was funny that was like a oh yeah i, I can do that i can knock out 150 of those no problem i i was trying to find mm. a uh like a cookie cutter um you would call it like a uh like a tamp like a tamper die it's just, yeah it's it's like a cookie cutter thing that ideally you would have a like a not uh, maybe like an arbor press or something sort of like they have like hydraulic ones that that like actual proper leather workers use um and i was like oh yeah i could just click these out you know no problem and uh, so but i ended up having to trace out all i and there was like 150 of them so i had to trace them all out by hand and like cut them all out by hand and um and, and for a minute there it was looking like it was going to be pretty tight but we 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 got them all done and uh yeah well you did a good job too fun. they stood the test of time i still got mine what was that two years ago uh no it was a year a year, year ago okay change. yeah yeah time's it has now. stood the test of time for a year yeah well done. with you with <laughs> but, your fabric yeah. with your yeah. fabrication experience and metalworking and stuff have you ever made any of your own tools no, I haven't. Um, I've I've sort of thought about it, but um, for I thought about making like jigs or or like a like cookie cutter uh, right. clicker clicker dies, um, but I've never really. No, I, I know I never really have, because um, a lot of the the tools I need. Um, like the the quality of the metal is really important, especially for for um, I don't know, like the fine tooling uh, type tools. Like, You're not um, using any A36 on that. No, no, it's <laughs> like high grade stainless. Um, and no, I, you know, it's occurred to me that that maybe I could, but 
I don't know. It's just, it never seemed like the juice was worth the squeeze on that. I gotcha. And I'm like super particular about tools and it's like, man, I could like hack something together, but I don't think I'm going to like it, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Kelly, so. I got a question for you. Um, so you do a lot of really cool, like, I'm sure y'all have seen it, like the floral designs on like a belt or like whatever else he does. Right. It, that's a, like, you have like a stencil that you lay down somehow. Is it kind of like a tattoo, you know, where they put like the, the paper with the blue ink on it or yeah. is similar to that? Or I've, I've, I've tried a different, like a lot of different ways. Um, what you're really supposed to do is uh, just get really good at drawing and just take a pencil and draw it directly on the leather and then carve mm. out over it. Uh, that's what like the pros do. But in the past I've used like cheater patterns that, that they're like, um, like embossed to where the like the 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 carving line is like uh raised on the on this like right. plastic sheet and i've just kind of like used that as a guide um but it's it's funny because like i can i'm so familiar with those patterns that i can see like other people online who have who have used the same ones i was like oh mm-hmm. i see you you're also a cheater um but then I've, I've, I've drawn my own and then I've used uh, like um, overhead projector paper or whatever. And then uh, sort of like tran- transferred that using like a style, like a, like a, like a, I don't know, not a super sharp stylus, but I, I like trace over the plastic with the, with the pattern on it onto the leather. And so it kind of like leaves a little imprint, but I think I just got to go to straight, just like drawing the, the pattern on the leather with a pencil. I used to go to a flea market and this guy was a leather worker and he did that and he would cut belts and stuff. Like he had a bunch of stuff for sale and he would sit there and carve out those flowers and all that stuff by hand. Very slow, very, very tedious work, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah. How often do you have to sharpen your carving tools or your, I guess your tools for any of the leather work is because obviously woodwork, they get pretty dull pretty quick depending on the wood you're working with. Are you yeah. seeing a variance in like the type of leather, how quickly you need to do it? Or mm. whenever you sit down, you sharpen everything first time. What, what, what's your process? Yeah. So for, I would say for uh, like the floral pattern carving and stuff, you know, I, you have a little strop just right there, you know, just a little piece of leather with a, a honing compound and then um, just an oiled piece of leather like next to that. And then you just kind of strop it. Um, you really shouldn't have to sharpen that. Like I haven't really had to sharpen stuff super regularly. I have a couple round knives that, that do need sharpen now. And I've since like kind of stopped using them because it's, they're really hard to sharpen because it's like a, it's like a, a, a half moon shape and it mm-hmm. like comes to a point at right. either end. And right. so if you, if you get like, um, like, you know, one of those stone systems where it's like the, the stone is on an arm and it kind of like goes back and forth. You can't mm-hmm. get the full arc of the blade, so I don't. I don't know how I'm gonna. It's like you got to do half of it, and then move move the the knife and the clamp and do the other half, which really sucks because you got to flip it over to do the other side equally. Like sharpening knives is, it's like the bane of my existence. Like I can almost, like I'm almost there, but I, ah, it's it's still really hard for me. Um, <laughs> well, it only pisses you, you off until you get it, and then yeah. then you might love it. So Ross yeah, exactly. has a really cool sharpening system. A really oh, yeah. fancy yeah. sharpening system for his chisels. Yeah, I yeah. use the Tormek sharpening system. Oh, man, I follow them on Instagram, and I, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, 
so there yeah, is a, there is a version that came out recently, and I have not tried it in comparison. But when tools W E N, they mm-hmm. just came out with their own version of the Tormek sharpening system. It's uh, cheaper. Yeah, it's like a third of the cost, maybe a quarter of the cost of what the Tormek is. So if you're looking for a less expensive option to kind of get you started, uh, I would look at that one. But I can tell you the the Tormek paid for itself in the first week. Like, oh, not even kidding. I even was able to uh, – I, I actually had friends and family. I was like, hey, for, you know, 25 or 50 bucks, I'll sharpen all the knives for Thanksgiving. And people oh, would bring yeah. over a whole set, and I would sharpen all of them by the hour. And it would take me like half hour to do all their knives, but it literally paid for itself pretty quickly. So yeah, oh, yeah, man. that's that's a really good idea. I've got too many. I got so many knives too. It's ridiculous. So yeah, and all not all of them need sharpening, but yeah. oh yeah, uh, like that I was a, so much use out of that. My groomsman gift from uh, I was one of Kelly's groomsmen. Um, we got a really nice. Uh, was it a butterfly knife or not? Benchmade. Benchmade. There we go. Sorry, the B. And then uh, he made like a yeah. Case butterfly is more for like a street rumble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I realized that yeah, as it was, was coming out my mouth. Yeah. But, but yeah. Do you? Uh, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> man, I, I keep that knife in my truck. Yeah, I, I love it. Hell yeah. So before. Uh, oh, sorry. I, I got one more. Thing yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead. Knives. I've started for for any time I'm doing like cutting out of material like from. You know, I trace a pattern down and I'm about to cut something out. I just use a box cutter because I can I can just toss those mm-hmm. blades and get a fresh one. So, I'll, you know, I'll get like four or five cuts out of each side and then like I wrap it up first. I don't just throw it in the trash can, but uh, <laughs> I put tape, I put tape around it. Um, but yeah, so that's been like so much more efficient than trying to fight stropping the, the, the round knives, which is what you're supposed to use. But it's like, man, this is just so much sharper. Do you yeah, make Ross- your own strop? Uh, yeah, actually, Colton, I need to get with you because I, I have a, a design for like, I need to, I need to mount the strop on wood. Uh, and I want it to be like, I don't know, the, the edges like routed out and everything and like a actual proper like handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if we could, I could bend your a little bit. About of course. Sometime. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's just a, you know, like four inch wide piece of leather, maybe like 12 inches long. And then uh, one of those, it's better if it's like Latigo because Latigo's got more oil in it. And it's like less, less friction or whatever. And then um, one of them, uh, it's like more like a, um, what would be like a skirt, a saddle skirting. So something with less oil that you can put honing, co- honing compound on. And then, yeah, so like Jewelers Rouge or something like that. Hmm. Um, yep. So. Yeah, Ross, so whenever you're in uh, Minnesota, uh, oh, yeah. In August, you're gonna pick up his moon knife and put it on your uh, your Tormek. Uh, yeah, to or <laughs> or if he wants to ship them to me before, I can bring them up when I come. Oh, oh that would fully be cool. sharpened. Be, I mean, that would be sick, dude. Yeah, and make sure you put them in your carry on when you take them on the plane. Uh, so <laughs> I actually <laughs> don't mind these. Um, <laughs> I actually end up, whenever I'm traveling for my day job, uh, I end up having to check this. It's a massive case. It's like a Pelican case. And I have 18 different bottles of whiskey in there because I need oh, yeah. them as samples when I'm traveling. 
So I check plenty of stuff. So I can easily throw that in a check bag and be ready for you. But yeah, I got to come up mid August. So damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, We'll be in touch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah. If you, if you trust us with your knives, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, shoot. I mean, you seem to, I don't know. These guys seem, you seem to be pretty good friends with them. So I I guess we're all right. (laughs) So (laughs) you, you, were you, did you go to workbench con or no? Me? Kelly? No. Uh, no. There was another guy there with a mustache like that. I don't know. There was a few guys with mustaches. Like, beards uh, yeah. were the big thing, but you know. Beards, yeah, beards and leather patches. We were all basic bitches there, but the beards, yeah. the, beards, uh, yeah, snapback hats and garages, baby. Going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you yep. should come to Workbench Con. Is that uh, sure. Is it so? It's it's more than just woodworking, or uh, no? It's no, for it's makers any of maker. Any any oh, maker okay. online, yeah, it's about your social oh. media and, and building your business. It's really great. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep. These guys. There was a leather maker there. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who are, are listening to the podcast and have not been to WorkbenchCon before, all of us can attest to the quality of it. Uh, it was definitely worth all the money, uh, about 100 times more. And uh, the relationships you get out of it, the knowledge you get out of it, it's definitely worth it. So check it, it out. Changes, it changes your view. You just feel like I'll never be able to do it. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I can do it. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's pretty interesting. It is Speaking of, of that, Colton, aren't you going up to the uh, the Maker's, Maker's Weekend or Maker's Camp? Maker's Camp. Yeah, I actually just got some money. So I was going to go secure my ticket right now. Um, oh, when, <laughs> well, when is Maker's Camp? October. Uh, October. Oh, October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Kelly, that's, so that's pretty fun. It's like, um, it used to be at, uh, oh. I'm, Wasn't it Jimmy DeResta's? Jimmy DeResta's. It used to be at his ranch, right? But now it's at, it, maybe it's still his. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's but, in upstate New York, right? Or Connecticut, uh, one of the two. Oh, I think, I think it is somewhere up there. Yes. Yeah. And, Dude, that'll be yeah, awesome. It, so I, I've never been, but, um, you know, I watched a bunch of videos and, a lot of people that do workbench con also have done that. And it was highly suggested of us to go there. And, um, but as opposed you to workbench out. con where it's more like, uh, you go to like talks that people put on and it's more like a conference. No, no. Uh, that's the, more the difference is Colton, Jess and I went to some conferences and talks. You, yeah. you slept every day and then I, went, I made some uh, after networking. <laughs> yeah. You do the networking yeah. at the end of the day. It's like noon, one o'clock. I'm like, where's Colton? Did he make it back yeah. to his hotel? No answer, text, nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, Kelly, and then I get up the next that, morning. He's still that drinking. Is not, that is not totally surprising. I actually had to, I, oh man. Yeah. Oh, one, go ahead. one time before a march in, uh, when we were in the cab, cause like, I guess I was technically in charge of Colton. Oh man. Colton come in like half an hour late, just like still just so drunk. Like with his uniform <laughs> half on and everything, and it's like, sorry, buddy, you're not going to be riding in today. <laughs> oh man, just the defeated look was. Oh, man. I think I still rode in. But you you took it like, like a champ. No, you no. were shit crew that day. Oh, that was embarrassing. Well, I remember one day <laughs> I I stumbled off the porch and Bob thought I was drunk again, and uh, but I was not again. No, well, no are you drunk whatever. again, Colton? <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah that's college that's awesome so what's going on with the rest of you guys and your bench what do you got going on well colton how about you do the uh the honors 
Yeah, Wait, I, mean, yeah. I made a bush light set of boards today. Got oh, the, oh my gosh, the pods are on right now. Are these part of the new orders or the yes. old orders? That's a new order. Okay. And uh, bless his heart, but he's been with pain. <laughs> but um, okay. What's yeah, the status that, with that, the old ones? The old yeah, ones. What's the uh, we're getting there. Are we under ten? Uh, I think we're about about at ten. At ten. Okay. See, the other day you told us and it's recorded, so you can't go back on it, that it takes you maybe two days to do a set of boards, maybe three. Mm -hmm. So if I do my math and you get a couple more going while you're doing those, you could get those done in like two or three weeks and you'd be done. And it's just new stuff from now on. What's going on? Correct. Curly. Curly. What's going on? We want you to be free and happy and the real Colton. And I know there's anxiety there. Yeah. yeah, man, I'm I'm listening to y'all's back catalog, and I'm probably on episode like four or five. And boy, it, you were you were getting really stoked on on being at Inbox Zero here. That was like I think you had like thirty left at that point. Mm-hmm. This is just mm-hmm. this is just Daddy Jess wanting you to to be happy because you're gonna. It's, I just want you to make money. I want big big dollar bills. You keep bringing back this this Daddy term in this episode, and it means very different things. <laughs> This is a father figure looking out. That's all it is. Indeed. Mm-hmm. No, we're 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 managing. So, all right, one day at a time. It. All right. Did the did the Bud Light thing have like a, a rainbow motif on it, or <laughs> it was bush? Oh, I haven't made any Bud Light ones. Oh, which, said so bush, actually, right? I had the idea. Even worse, like whatever, oh, whatever the whole yeah. Bud Light like like a fiasco was going on few weeks ago a month ago whatever it was um i was like oh it, it, it'd go crazy if like i use like a combination of the lathe and then like just like some hand sculpting and made like a, a huge dick that had a beer holster in the top of it <laughs> and uh, i was like oh that'd be that'd be so funny but then i was thinking i was like man that would that'd be kind of I don't know. I I was I was wanting to do it just to be funny, but some people would you know it would be offensive, you know. And I, I didn't want to hurt anybody with it. You would know? it have so had the, balls? Yes, yes. Okay. That, that would that would help it stand up straight. <laughs> yeah, that's the Fair. stability factor. There. So Any the sad part do about the entire Bud Light fiasco or conundrum, whatever you want to call it, was they never actually said they were going to make that. People just saw the one post and they were like, "Nope, not happening," and went down this rabbit hole. And sales. I don't know what it's uh, about. So basically, Bud Light created a custom can for somebody who is um, a spokesperson for the trans community. Mm-hmm. And okay. they, they talked about it on their TikTok. And there were some people who were very anti trans community who basically uh-huh. were, thought that, you know, the world was going to come down and Bud Light was now very pride forward and this and that. And they never said they were going to make anything. It was just this one commemorative six pack for this person in the community. And I actually get daily updates uh, from the, the wine and spirits industry and Bud Light is down at, at their worst. They were down about 40% total sales. They've wow. climbed back up to about 30%. Um, but basically heads rolled from like day one and Anheuser-Busch overall took big hits the thing that made me laugh the most was 
the the people who are like, I'm never drinking Bud Light again. I am now a bush a bushman, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, Anheuser Busch, it's the same company. <laughs> or they're like, you know, uh, yeah, like or they're like, I'm gonna too, drink, right? yeah, or they're like, I'm gonna drink Coors Light now. But Coors Light has been a bigger proponent of the community for like 30 years than any other beer maker. Right. It's, yeah. It it's it's funny to to hear the difference, but like, yeah. Either way. Sounds good. I feel like we're all on the same page. Yeah. I, uh, I'm also not going to let the news freaking tell no. me what be- what beer to drink either. So, yeah, no. It's funny I, not that I'm going to go buy Bud Light. I've, I've yeah, Bud Light is absolutely that garbage for light to beers, begin but... with. I don't see why. Yeah, it wasn't good in the first place. Yeah. It actually does make a good, it does make a good Clamato. You know the Clamato yes. stuff? Yes. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's like clam juice and tomato. Um, yeah. My mom used to make those growing up. Yeah, we yeah. Like those. Dude, I don't know if you guys like non-alcoholic beers, but I don't I don't drink alcohol anymore. But this Coors Edge is really good. I don't know. You like you, it? it? Yeah, I, I had like it. it a lot. I don't. I don't drink either. I don't like it. Oh yeah, Man, Kelly. Yeah, like yeah Jess it. is the same, but I forgot. No. Oh, yeah. I like Heineken Zero is probably the best one, and then uh, Stella makes a non-alcoholic that's Stella. Yeah, I don't know. I like the I like the Coors. Light. It's like it's like there's a. It reminds me of Coors Light, except there's like the the part about Coors Light that just like tastes like shit. But this is like that, but it's it doesn't have that that horrible. Maybe attitude. the ones I no. got were old. <laughs> it's more like banquet beer, the Coors Banquet than yeah. Coors Light. So yeah. I don't know. It's a nice little refreshing thing. Nice. Well, what about you, Ross? What are you working on? So I actually am in, like, I've had a weird, weird week as far as timing because I finished up the desk for my wife, and then I was like, okay, I need to start working on this outdoor kitchen. But the outdoor kitchen, uh, even as of today, and today is Monday, um, they still hadn't even poured the pad for the concrete foundation so I couldn't start building anything. I had to wait for like a whole bunch of other stuff to be done. So I actually, I had been wanting to reorganize some of my tool wall. So I ended up making um, basically a, a hand plane holder rather than individual planes getting their own shelf. I put them all onto a condensed, I guess, area or shelf of their own. Uh, so I have all my hand planes on one area now, which is great. Uh, but when I measured my largest plane, I was like, okay, I'm going to put this on here. The thing is 18 inches long, so I'm going to make this 18 and a half inches long, and that'll incorporate enough space for the, the wood trim. And then I just grabbed whatever pieces of wood I had around and started tacking them down, and they were too thick. And so the longest plane that I have after I made the whole thing doesn't fit. But uh, it still kind of balances up there, and it works. So this week I actually have um, a little bit of tool organization and stuff, but I'm really – trying to get um, things prepped for this outdoor kitchen build. And then uh, this coming Saturday, I have a maker's meetup at my shop. So uh, there cool. could be anywhere from like five to 50 people coming out. I have no idea. We're just oh, that is so putting awesome. stuff out into the into the ether and, and hoping that uh, people pick up on it. So it's myself and Alma from Pink Soul Studios, who I also met at WorkbenchCon, uh, putting it together. So. Yeah, Kelly, have you not worked with any leather workers uh, in Minnesota yet? There's got to be some no, group similar to Ross's group up there. Yeah, I, d- I don't, uh, I haven't really um, reached out or, um, yeah, there's not any, any like brick and mortar shops, uh, like leather shops around here. Well, you got to get um, back on the, uh, find your old login to Facebook, man. 
and uh, get on no, some of those. This, this, there's got to be a Facebook group. Up I'm there. already logged into Facebook, so I stay logged in. No, uh, I don't. I don't hardly ever go on there except for Marketplace. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I feel like um, there's a there's like a a community center where they have like a like people will have classes and stuff or or workshop type situations. I feel like that might be a starting off point. They have like mm-hmm. drum circles and like a like like jam session type situations there. Have you ever made it like a and a, a natural high drum? No, I haven't. But um, that yeah, if I if I like kill a deer or something, I might try and do that. Um, but it's like it's like stretched over wood, right? Like a mm-hmm. like a like a circular. Yeah, the wood hoop. Yeah. 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 I would need to. So yeah. the shells aren't Sp- as expensive of- as you think. Okay, yeah. Speaking of instruments, so both Jess and Ross are drummers. Oh yeah, right. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they play a mixture of other in- instruments as well. I oh, I just play drums. But okay, okay, not and, Jess. And titties. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, so <laughs> Kelly and I used to have some jam sessions. Uh, he he's a mean uh, mandolin player. Oh, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I and yeah, uh, it, it's been a while, but yeah, I used to play a lot of mandolin. So, Kelly, on that note, too, uh, we just got a tenor banjo from Crystal's grandma. Oh, really? And um, I'd yeah, I'm going to see that in a video real soon. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I've already had some songs that I think we might. I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, some. Uh, oh, I forgot the, the river movie. That's all right. A river runs through. Deliverance. It. There you go. Deliverance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, something along those Very lines. different movies, by but. But uh, so all, all the. <laughs> All the tabs I look up for the tenor banjo, uh, I'm realizing it's very similar to a mandolin. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, a lot of them be like tenor banjo slash mandolin, like tabs. Cause it's four strings. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, okay. So I got a, I just got a, I got a five string about a year ago and it's, oh, yeah? uh, it's, t- it's totally different. Yeah. Um, I'm not like super, um, I guess diligent about like practicing that i'm trying to I, I would like to learn how to do claw hammer style um but i just i don't pick it up enough to to really drive that. there is a, a little bit of uh bluegrass culture in minnesota so if you're looking sure, for yeah. uh jamming with some bluegrass folk i think there's, trampled there's by turtles just yeah i think trampled by turtles just played the other night uh there was some kind of concert going on we can the we can see the the bridge and everything from our house, so uh, that's where they have like outdoor concerts and stuff. So I think I think they just came through, but yeah, yeah. they're pretty popular uh, bluegrass style, mm-hmm. and they're from they're from Duluth. There you go. Yeah, uh, uh, so I remember, that was pretty fun back then. Like I would just do the cowboy chords I knew on the uh, acoustic guitar, and then Kelly would jam around me on the, uh, the little mandolin. It was fun. <laughs> We'd holler. Yeah. So Jess, what's on your bench? I saw you were working on the coffee table. Uh, so the coffee tables are done. Uh, I delivered two of those, and so we started the uh, consoles, which are about three times larger than everything else that we've made. So it's a lot more parts. Um, there's so there's you know there's five consoles that we make at the same time. So that's five tops, a hundred slats, you know thirty of these and 20 of these and 15, you know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. parts. Yeah. And this has a center, uh, shelf. So I couldn't put the dominoes 
on the center because it has one center leg. And I don't have a, a, a large domino where it would like stick through and have a tenon on each side. And then if I put it on one side, then I would have to dig into that domino in order to do, you see what I'm saying? Cause they're symmetrical. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I just did like a notch, like a, like a half lap like this, yeah. you know, to connect those, but I had to like draw it all out and do all the math and everything. So it's, it's complicated because the center leg is different than the outside legs. So it's not complicated to me because it's all in my head, but there's been so many mistakes and like the certain things get an eighth inch round over certain things get a quarter inch round over and so on and so forth. And this goes back to me making the instructions. Right. And, uh, the guys have just, it's like, if I don't stand over them the whole time, these mistakes get made and I got to get the website done and I haven't been able to work on the website. And it's just been, today was a very, very stressful day. Very, very stressful day. And then I'm trying to tell them how to do it, but the dust collector is going, so nobody can hear each other. And I'm like having to yell the whole time. It's just, I feel like, uh, it was like one of those, but we did get the console done. We got it to the lady store before her show. Cause they were having a, um, like this, some sort of downtown walkthrough or whatever of this group. Mm-hmm. And so I got the console and it, it's gorgeous. I mean, it turned out beautiful. Uh, I'm sure Ashley, I'll get some pictures on it. Do you have all your stuff days. on consignment with her or is it just? Yes. Like, yes. It's just okay. consignment, just consignment okay. for now. It's very slow in the summer. So, uh, you know, in, in this area, not a lot of people buy anything in the summer, so nothing's moving. I'm sure once we get it online, it will, but I, it's like, I have to have a product to build, but I can't, the product won't get built if I'm not in the shop, but I can't sell the product unless I make the website and finish my last parts on it. And it's just like, I'm torn a hundred different ways, but. Welcome um, to being an entrepreneur. Correct. <laughs> I get so, that, man. It's like a cart, cart before the horse kind of scenario. Right, yeah. Thing, it's yeah. like, which do I do first? Right. Cause if I do get the website up, what if we sell a bunch of them? Well, I don't have anything to sell them and so on and so forth. So. What I did do today is I got them to a point where they could do it on their own. And I did start, what I decided to do is type it up. We bought binders with clear plastic sheets. Each piece of furniture in each size will have its own set. If I want to change the size, I'll make a new binder and just change the dimensions. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to put a drawing of each part with specifics on each part. And as much as I can, without being too wordy, the process for each thing. So that way nobody has any questions when they, I said, just, just read it. If you've done it a hundred times, just read it anyway and just take it one step at a time. And hopefully that will eliminate a lot of the problems, mistakes, uh, and like people thinking that they're doing one thing when it's another thing that they're supposed to be working on and so on and so forth. Plus it also helps me find mistakes, uh, you know, before yeah. blue ups and stuff like that, just by pure math. So I will tell you, so I have a 12 inch table saw, the main one that we used in the shop for ripping, uh, like long things and 12 inch blades. Like if you just go to home Depot, those are for miter saws. They're not for table saws. Correct. They're cross cut blades. Yeah. They're, they're all very thin blades. And we were getting a little bit of wane on some of the stock, especially the tops. Like mm-hmm. when you're ripping a, an inch and a half piece of walnut, it tends to want to like, cause you can tell when you go to put it together, I just joined it and it should be perfect. And it's just, you know, there's a little bit of a gap. So I bought this heavy duty, um, Freud industrial ripping blade. Is it taking and, out a quarter inch too? 
There we go. <laughs> it's a eleven sixty fourths almost. Uh, it is it's eleven sixty fourth tip. I swear to you, the plate is uh, it's over an eight thick. I mean, it's so the blade probably weighs ten pounds. It's a murder Ooh, weapon, and it's, and it's only <laughs> it's only thirty teeth, and they're flat grind. But they're at a 20 degree hook. So they're like hooked way in. And it is like cutting butter. And it's made because I have another one that has less teeth, actually. That's for very thick stock, like over two and three quarter inches. Yeah. That's the same idea, but it's less teeth. This one's 30 teeth. This goes up to two and three quarters from three quarters. And it cuts hardwood like does not bend. It cuts it so square and so straight. And it wasn't that expensive. I mean, it was eighty bucks. I mean, that's not that bad. A yeah, high tooth. No, because you can get that stuff. sharpened. Right, a lot. It's very yeah. thick teeth, and is it's it, industrial general, quality. Kind of like, like forty. No, teeth? it's no, no. It's heavy duty rip thirty teeth. I, I'll, 30. I'll send you guys thirty teeth. Yeah, it's very low teeth, but Man, it sounds like um, something that like Captain America would throw. Correct. Yeah. And then on the chop saw, I had one. I had one of those blades. Um, because we use that mostly to cut things to length and it was also doing the same thing, getting off a little bit. And I just went back to like a general purpose one that had less teeth. It's a little bit thicker. It doesn't have as many teeth and it cuts much better. So, hmm. uh, everything. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, and then my dado stack, I still have not figured out what's causing the teeth to cut at different heights other than it's not made properly. That's the only thing that I can say. Hmm. Because I'm using a clamp on the sled. So the only thing is maybe like some dust is getting under the sled and raising it, lowering it as we're sliding it. But it doesn't really feel yeah. like it is. Um, is it inconsistent as to where it's like off? No, it's consistent to where it's off. Okay. Well, then that's so probably more I, the blade right. than anything else. I th- yeah, there's the t- it just probably needs to take it to somebody and have them regrind it on a, you know on that machine that gets them all exactly the same height or whatever. So yeah. I might do that, but I did use, um, so my joints were too tight. We're planing it to three quarter. I'm cutting the notch at three quarter and it was so tight. I broke a piece trying to get it together cause there was no room for the glue. And so, um, I added one of those like paper thin, I don't know if anybody that ever uses a dado stack, it comes with a set of spacers that come. It in. almost looks like mm-hmm. the, as Kelly was saying, the, the paper that we use for um, overhead projectors, like super thin. It's yeah, oh. but it's metal, and it's, okay. yeah, it yeah. was one 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 point one millimeters or point zero zero four inches, and it was perfect. I put it in there. I mean, you can't tell any difference. I couldn't even tell if it made a difference, but put the pieces together and they fit just right. Not super tight, but just tight enough to know once I get glue in there, it'll fit together. So that fixes that. And um, yeah, I just, I, if my little nugget before we get to that, my little nugget is no matter what it is, just especially if you're working with other people and you want to get your thoughts in their head or you're working with someone new, just write it out. Actually type mm-hmm. it out because when you type it out, then you can type faster than you can write generally and um, organize it and cut and paste certain instructions and so on and so forth. And then I'm going to add a little drawing to it. And I think so it's you could going to put a, a sketch up drawing in there. Well, you know what? As if as I learned, I, yeah, I could, 
I could. I tell you what, I'm going to send you the parts. I'm going to draw it and you make it in SketchUp for Do me it. and then we'll. Done. Well, I, I was just about to ask. Um, so are you like, I don't know. I'm I'm like um, Ricky from Trailer Park Boys when it comes to like doing some kind of stuff. I need like a, a draw, like a draw. Are you guys working from drawings is what I'm asking. Yes. Okay. All right. My, so my, my general me MO is I will get an idea in my head. And I will. I need to know about what size it needs to be. Like if it has to fit in a certain space, if it's a table or whatever. I get the dimensions down first. I start with the top, if it has a top, and then I figure out what my reveals are going to be around it, what I want it to look like, and I just start working my way in with my dimensions. I start trying to account for my final thicknesses, and and then I draw it out, and then I have a cut list, and I write like legs. 33 and seven eighths by this, by this final. And then I'll write plain and it needs to be dominoed. So I know a couple more processes that have to it. And then I go to the next part. And then on my drawing, I'll label everything A, B, C, D. And then I do the same thing with my things. And it at least gets us a starting point. Um, but yes, I go off of a drawing, a very drawing, but a drawing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's actually lining out how each, each piece is prepped. That's like, a, that that's very detailed. I guess with, uh, with metal fabrication, it's like, when when you're putting it together the the joining method is like pretty straightforward because usually it's either going to be bolted or welded right um, so yeah i guess that's what yeah you guys are like woodworking is really impressive to me just just the joining aspect is like uh yeah i'm, I'm here oh kelly you gotta check out the desk <laughs> that ross just built so he made the beast, uh, he made, he the made beast. Huge, i call it the beast a huge wide oak <laughs> desk and he did these uh, large dovetails. dovetails. You, yep. you know oh, a dovetail, yeah. Kelly? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did these large dovetail joints on the sides, like do you, to that connect like what stands for the legs. And uh, it's do, impressive. It's on his Instagram and everything. You when you guys do dovetails, do you do it with a router or do you use chisels? Uh, I cut all mine by hand. Okay. And I cut Sweet. my hands plenty of times. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've so done. This is so like if I'm doing old... like. Old drawing. Oh yeah, it's like a, a cabinet yep. carcass. So th for those that are just listening, he is showing us a hand-drawn <laughs> piece of paper. Um, that was that was the one that I wish that I could redo. That was the cabinets. That was that mm -hmm. a box. Okay. Well, so to answer your question, Kelly, if I'm doing uh, like half-line dovetails to just put like the sides of a drawer together, I'll use a router. If okay. I'm doing like fancier dovetails, I hand cut them. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've oh, actually gotten to the, from last week. Oh, go ahead. I've gotten to the the. I've done them enough now where I need to still tighten up like the tolerances on them, but I'm actually faster doing them with a chisel than I am with a router. Okay. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, and he, I, I've never done ahead, a dovetail cool. ever. ever. <laughs> never once. Yeah. Uh, -uh. And flashback to our nugget from last week. He um, sprays his wood with a mixture of water and alcohol, right? To 50-50 yep. um, mix. Yeah, help it uh, peel up like paper. Does yeah, so when you're... Alcohol? Uh, it's usually rubbing alcohol, isopropyl sure. alcohol. Um, and you. it's only when you're doing the pairing cut. So like the the finest cut with the chisel where you're using just your body weight to, to you're not using a hammer to cut anything out 
you're just trying to skim everything so it's absolutely perfect that's when you spray it down with the that mixture because it softens up the fibers and it literally comes off like a sheet of paper so yeah ross i've actually learned a good bit about chiseling just from watching your reels and things uh well, like like whenever sometimes you take a chisel and you kind of like hit it at an angle or like if mm -hmm. it's like a yeah, I guess if you're cross grain, right? And, yep. uh, and like in order to get a good cut, you kind of slide it at an angle. Like yeah. um, I, I started doing that, and it it helps a lot. Yeah. I will say, Ross, yeah, you 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 are very very good with the hand tools, and I love the fact that like you don't have super expensive chisels. You have no, mine are, decent, they're, decent they're literally chisels from Lowe's, right? But it just shows, like, I, I don't know, a lot of people have very, very expensive chisels, and I see them using them. Maybe they hold a blade a little longer, I guess, but it doesn't matter as long as you know how to sharpen them. They're a lot easier Correct. to sharpen than the expensive ones anyway. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, so I think, that in all honesty, this is a good chance to talk about the, uh, wow, the, the wood wow. of the week. The wood wow. of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the wood of the week is Goncalo Alves. Hey, I and met him in college. He was a good dude. <laughs> so it's interesting because you do know what wood this is. Um, the first time I ever saw this wood was in, uh, what's that wood flooring store? Lumber Liquidators. Mm -hmm. And they had made flooring out of it, right? So first of all, a couple deets about it. Um, it's pretty hard. It's impossible to bend. Okay, uh, the Janka hardness is up in the three thousands, so it's pretty hard. Yep. Uh, it comes from Brazil. Brazil. Uh, some of it in Latin America, like Mexico, Guatemala, uh, but mostly from Brazil. And a lot of people use it for um, like cutlery handles, things like that. They actually use it a lot for boat building. Okay. But what? Uh, the like locally or like wood turners for the high grade, they call it Jobio, Hobio, 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 Jobillo. But what most people call it is tiger wood. Oh, and tiger, tiger wood. It, you know, it, kind of, it, it stems, <laughs> it stems from, uh, it's a type of rosewood actually. It has like the black streaks in it and stuff like that. But to so me, I I saw the floor and it's a little busy for me for like a okay. floor and a whole house. But um, it's extremely durable, extremely durable for flooring and things like that. So do they make guitars out of it for like that quilting look? Dude, no, because it doesn't have it's it's very straight, like like black streaks in it. Um, but it does say that some people use it for. Um, things like that archery bows pull cues small things like that hmm. some cabinetry and furniture but um yeah interessante yeah and do you have a fun wood fact you know what week? else i have i have fun you got leather some, you got facts. a quiz for us oh there you I go i have fun leather facts hey so we'll do we'll do this one in the in the in the uh form of a question okay we'll start with the first one what color leather is the hardest to make uh what is pink 
What do you say, Kelly? Uh, I mean, black. I don't know. <laughs> and what about what about you, Colton? What do you think? We got pink, uh, black, maroon. The hardest color leather to make is white. Oh, is that makes white sense. leather, right? Uh, it's you know, leather's just generally very coarse and hard, and the dyes and stuff don't want to stay. It wants to crack and so on and so forth. So white hmm. leather. So like if you have a car, like a luxury car that has real white leather interior, it's very very expensive car because real white leather is very hard to make. You also uh, need to make sure that you are oiling up those seats. How much money do you think that the leather industry generates uh, worldwide annually? Are we speaking, this is all things that leather encompasses? So shoes, belts, purses, backpacks? Yes. Okay. It says the leather industry. So I'll give you a clue. It's in the billions. Hmm. Five billion. Uh, 20. I'm going to go with 11 billion dollars. 53.2 billion Ooh. as of like 2018. And so what is what is the most predominant form of leather? Would it be cow? Uh, I would assume so, probably. It doesn't say. Okay. It says, basically, it says, to put it in perspective, this figure is more than the overall value of commodities such as rubber, cotton, coffee, tea, and sugar combined. Huh. Hmm. Uh, okay. India contributed $1.42 of that in trade and export alone. So, anyway. Water buffalo, those are, man. Those are my, and golf balls used to be made out of leather. Oh, and the last one, salmon leather is actually a thing. And they still make it. The color or the texture? No, they make leather out of salmon. Huh. They figured it out. The Siberians and Scandinavians have been using it for centuries. Jeez. Really? So, I guess they don't yeah. have scales. It makes sense. You could, I guess. Yeah, pretty interesting. Hmm. Uh, okay, as far as wood facts, form of a question. Um, this wood is technically a grass, neither softwood or hardwood. Unlike other woods, the most usable part is toward the exterior of the trunk. It doesn't show any growth rings and has no knots. Some refer to this wood as porcupine wood. What is it? What is bamboo? I was going to say palm. Oh, those are better than what I would come up with. So, Kelly is correct. It hey. is black palm. Oh, Kelly, did you that? Go. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Look at well, that. a boy. When I was Black. in the peace, when I was in a in the Peace Corps, they they made a big deal about like you know palm trees aren't actually trees. Okay, the Coney, the Coney Island Boardwalk, which opened in 1923, was made from this wood. It's extremely hard and very durable. This wood is so dense that it sinks in water. Another interesting fact: it has a class A fire rating, similar to iron and steel. What is it? Stony Island is it? Is it Coney Island? You said? Yeah, Coney Island. Yeah, it's a crap hole. Okay, well, what what's the wood? Coconut. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wood. Um, super Ross. dense. Coney Island Park uh, says so dense that it sinks in water. Bodark. It iron has wood. a class A fire rating similar to iron and steel. I'm gonna go. Uh, also, I will say that the New Jersey uh, boardwalk. What's that one called? The New Jersey boardwalk. And the New Jersey boardwalk, the one they just tore the freak out and are yeah. redoing, and then they couldn't get the wood and put down 
uh, pressure treated for right now. Yeah. It was also this. Uh, Come on, Ross. Um, you of all people should get this. Ipe. Ipe, I'm assuming. Correct. It was Ipe. Uh, so now, it's funny. I, I have Ipe been to both of those. Uh, I would assume so. It's pretty dense. Take the pieces I sent you. Just throw them in the tub. Um, but uh, either way, I have been to both of those places, to Coney Island and the New Jersey Boardwalk, and everything looked like slate gray as far as the color, but like all the edges had like warped up and it was curling like pressure treated lumber. So I assumed it was all just pressure treated, but like it overall, like they're all dumps. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, well, I I just Sorry remember to those them tearing that are in Greater New York. I just remember walking down the boardwalk right before they tore it out and thinking this is some really thick hardwood and how and then I saw them tearing it out and I'm like, what are they doing with all that wood? I can make so much cool stuff out of that reclaimed eBay from that boardwalk. I could sell that stuff for furniture to people in New Jersey mm-hmm. like it was going out of style. Okay. Yeah. Uh last one. Um this tree is rumored to be rarer than diamonds. And I don't think you guys are going to get this, so I probably shouldn't ask it. But hmm. Oh, no, wait. Oh, I'll tell you that one. I got one more after that. Uh, this tree is rumored to be rarer than diamonds, and it is not something I've ever heard of in my life. I did look it up, though. A just tree. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with... Um, Yukonuba. Pink ivory. Have you ever heard of pink ivory? No. It is. It is. Uh, it is a real thing. Mostly people make it like use it for pen blanks and stuff like that. But I mean, hmm. it is pink. It is like hot pink. Uh, it seems, right, like last hot, qu- it seems like a hot take for all like these really extremely <sighs> rare woods. Is it like, oh, you don't really use it for anything but but pen blanks? Well, I mean. <laughs> Or it's veneers hard to find or a, whatever. Right. It's very, uh, it is, I've never seen a piece bigger than, you know, a little block of it. Uh, all right. Last question. And this is appropriate for today. Um, hang on. I lost the question. This wood smells like leather when it's freshly milled. Mm. What is rich mahogany? You're close. Leather bound books and rich. <laughs> it's. I'll give you a clue. It's on lines of Ipe. Teak. That is correct. It huh. is teak. Really? And it does smell like leather now that I think about <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. There's our. That's all my stuff for today. Okay. Nice. So before we get to the whoa, um, whoa. so Kelly mentioned the Peace whoa. Corps. It reminded me. So. Before Kelly was in Minnesota, he was in California, right? Mm-hmm. But when he before, and before California, that, he was in Ghana. Oh no, nope. before that, I was in Minnesota or uh, Michigan. It was Michigan. Yeah. Okay. I, I was gonna say Missouri for some reason, but yeah. Well, as soon as he got, where I grew up. Yeah, actually, when he got when he first got back, he was in Houston for a bit, and I got him for a few happy hours there. Yeah. That was fun. But um, but yeah. So when he was moving from Michigan to uh, California. He stopped through Texas and me, Crystal and him met up over in West Texas, over in Terra Lingua at Big Bend. And we were going to do the three day backpacking trip. 
right? But right as we were pulling up, it started snowing in the desert, which is not a that common thing. It, it, awesome. Not a common thing over here. Yeah. And it was like um, two, two foot of snowfall, which was like, that happens once every like five or so years, five or 10 years. And we, uh, yeah, we were found it. Enough to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We found it. But, um, I had just got a camper shell on my truck, uh, right before that trip. And, uh, Kelly was in his tent, which he had a camper shell on his truck too, but it was full of all of his stuff that he was moving to California. And, um, I remember like every like two hours or so he'd have to wake up and like beat all the snow off of his tent. But, um, <laughs> He overheard me and Crystal talk. So we had like a little propane heater in there. We were, we were living it up. We were on an air mattress in the back of the truck with the sleeping bags. And he was roughing it in the tent. Like this is uh, at base this. camp because we couldn't get on the trail yet. And uh, he, Kelly told me he overheard us. Like um, we were concerned like, about the like, car. Yeah, I was like, Colton, I don't know about going to sleep with that kerosene burner in the back of your truck, man. Yeah. <laughs> But then he he uh he overheard us. What what did I say? Um, I was like, well, you said, Crystal. You said Crystal. If we die tonight, I'm just glad I was with you. Wait, you know uh, sorry, you cut you cut out a bit for me. Can you say it again? Yeah, it was. You were like Crystal. If if you and I die tonight, I'm just I'm glad we died together. <laughs> At least we died together. Yeah. On account of the yeah. On account of the oh, uh, man. carbon monoxide poisoning in there, yeah, carbon monoxide poisoning, nice. yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the only thing I overheard uh, from the two of you uh, when I was in my tent next to <laughs> next year. They were making whoopee. But what? no, you were. Oh yeah, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> no, at one point we played uh, some Catan in in the tent too. That was fun. Like I, I was talking to Crystal yeah, before this, and she's like, "Well, just don't tell him about the time I farted in the tent." I was like, "What? What? What are you talking about?" Uh, you it's good me. that you brought that up on a podcast for everybody <laughs> to hear. Apparently, she had a big yeah. fart or something that she was embarrassed about, but I didn't remember yeah. it. Yeah, maybe, maybe Kelly did. Yeah. Well, but well, uh, that's a good segue yeah. to stop embarrassing your wife. Let's talk about the whiskey <laughs> of the week. So Whoa. last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we dove into the Jameson black barrel. Yes. What were your thoughts? So I was able to procure the Jameson black barrel. All right. And I was actually really surprised. Like, you know, normally when you taste it, like I know what I Jameson tastes like, like Irish whiskey, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. an easy shooter, right? If you can mm-hmm. shoot, shoot whiskey or whatever, like that's like why a lot of bartenders drink it. I presume. Yeah. But um, to really put it into character, all right, so picture this. You're mounted up on an 18-hand quarter horse <laughs> named Colonel. And Colonel Sanders? No. Like with K-E-R-N-E-L or K-O-L? Just Colonel. Basically, okay. he's got no, <laughs> no controls except for brakes. You don't put the gas on. He puts it on himself, right? Gotcha. And you're flying like a bat out of hell across the pasture. <laughs> right full canner and your nose is filled with the smell of dust and horse sweat right and then you reach into your leather vest and you pull out a big old peach right you take a big old (laughs) bite of that peach but it doesn't taste like peach it tastes like an explosion of dark juicy char and spice that simultaneously (laughs) giving you a yippee ki yay right to your mouth parts 
<laughs> and uh, now that partner is what the black barrel does. Oh, <laughs> That's incredible. It, it was really good. That's, sounds uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you try it in the Sazerac? Uh, you know what? I'm going to be humble here and admit that I need some, I, I need a guiding hand in making these fancy cocktails. That's fair. Uh, I did. It I, I took my, it, oh, it dandy great. You know, it is bold enough. It does have some spice on it. Like, so it did dandy well. Um, and then I, I made a little old fashioned out of it. My shitty version of an old fashioned and it did, it did well in that too. But okay. um, like really, I, I, I like it. I like it straight. It was good. Awesome. Well, the uh, the whiskey of the week, I am bringing us back towards starting to head. Um, well, I guess technically it wouldn't be. It's heading away from the States. Uh, but I'm taking you up to the farthest reaches of Scotland where whiskey is made. And I'm going to have you try Scotland. Uh, we're going to head up to the Orkney Islands and try the Highland Park 12-year-old single malt. All right. And uh, so the it, it is an island malt. Uh, but it is not an Isla malt. So there are four main regions, five, depending on who you talk to, four main regions of Scotland that produce Scotch whiskey. You have your Speyside region, which is where the majority of them are from, but it's a really small area, uh, which is usually fruity and floral and sweet. You have your Highlands, which are a little bit more uh, rough with your uh, natural uh, wildflowers and, and natural spice like heather and, and spicier tones. You have your Lowlands, which is just pretty basic. Uh, Dewar's is the biggest brand out of there, just kind of there. Uh, and then Isla is your heavy, smoky, peated section off the southwest corner of Scotland. But yeah, like there your Lafroig and stuff. Yeah, Lafroig, yeah. Lagavulind, um, Johnny Walker, all hail from from Isla. So yeah, that's what uh, Crystal calls the uh, the cough medicine. Yeah, <laughs> the the Isla yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, the outer lying islands of Scotland do produce whiskey, and there's some great ones out there, but uh, the Orkneys are the farthest north that, are, that whiskey is produced. And um, there are two main distilleries, Highland Park and Scapa, uh, both of which were pretty active areas during World War II uh, due to submarine kind of usage. But overall, the main thing that sets apart the Orkneys versus the rest of mainland Scotland and the other islands as far as whiskey goes is... Um, it's a very light peated tone to dry out their, their barley. So it does have a peated tone, but it's not going to kick you in the face like a Laphroaig. It's going to kind of just tickle the underside of your nose and be like, hey, fella, you like a little smoke? Huh? Huh? <laughs> so um, it's going to be a little bit, little bit different. It's going to kind of dance around more like sitting around a campfire rather than, you know, jumping into a peat bog. So I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on this guy. Excellent. So I this one sound, sounds like, oh, go ahead, Jess. Well, my first question is, do you uh, smell it before you drink it? Well, unless your nose is plugged, you're going to smell it before you drink it. No, yeah. but like, you know what I mean? Like take it, I'm, I'm yeah. asking, I'm asking Colton, do you okay. smell it before you yeah, drink I'll it? Yeah, I'll give it a whiff. I don't know if that's kosher and, or whatever. The, and does, if it's a does that, does that change the taste to have... It, yes. Is that what you're supposed to do? So it depends on how you are trying to partake in your beverage. If you are just trying to shut off your brain, sip on something to just decompress, 
just go ahead and drink it. You can put it in Dr. Pepper if you're paying for it, and that's the way you like to drink it. But if I'm paying for it, please don't do that. Uh, if you really want to dive into the characteristics and pull apart the layers and flavors and characteristics of your whiskey, you do want to nose it first. And the, the tip that I will give you whenever you're nosing a whiskey, uh, always keep your mouth open a little bit when you're nosing. Uh, whereas with wine, you just kind of bury your nose in the glass and hope for the best. With uh, whiskey, because the alcohol is much higher, it'll literally burn your nasal cavities. So keep your mouth open a little bit when you're nosing, and it allows the alcohol to come in the nose, out your mouth, but then you taste more things on your palate as you're smelling it. So That's interesting. Good. Yes. I, I look forward to it. So this one, um, we probably shouldn't make a cocktail out of this, honestly. Should I just enjoy it with you a could. cigar? So strangely enough, if you are into dirty martinis, I and I'm talking like real dirty mart, like we're talking like Lindsay Lohan dirty martinis. Gotcha. Try making a, a super, like a filthy dirty martini with the Highland Park as the base as opposed to the vodka because the peated tones mix unbelievably well with the brininess from the olive juice, and it makes a ridiculous uh, filthy martini. I love that. I love, I love a good, like, dirty gin martini. So I, I will absolutely do that. I mean, like, so it's depends. still like the vermouth in the glass thing, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. just kind of like there. Interesting. I'm so glad I, I didn't know about this when I was still drinking. That sounds really good. <laughs> Olive juice. Oh, man. I was about to say, the... the it brings That's me odd. back to our still reserve days. Oh <laughs> man, hell yeah! Do y'all still reserve up there, Ross? I, I have. Oh, Jesse, you ever so, still reserve? Uh, they, Ugh, they, yes, they do have <laughs> yes. still reserve. Um, it's not as prominent uh, unless you're in some more of the the urban neighborhoods where you're going to find the Colt 45s and the Steel Reserve, Mad Dog 2020s, like. That's Mickey's. where you're finding more of those. Mickey's is the other one. OE, yeah. OE and Mickey's. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, really, one of my favorite cocktails back at La Casa, that's like our the house we all lived at um, when you're a fifth year after the, after the court, right? Yeah. And um, my favorite thing was to take a big-ass mason jar and fill it full of ice and then take the Franzia chillable red. Man, and you're trying to make that sound like it was your idea. It was not my idea. I... Wait, did you coin that, Kelly? Yeah, dude. That's all. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I was buying. Oh, I was buying so many boxes of wine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you guys do a tour de Francia? Yeah. No. What is that? Well, we had this thing called the La Casa wine mixer every year, Mm -hmm. and uh, it just got more and more like out of out of proportion. But yeah, we we out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. So a a tour de Franzia is supposed to be where you buy every type of Franzia wine and you invite people over and nobody can leave till they're all empty. And it is it's it sounds like a great idea. It's a horrible idea. So don't don't do it. But it sounds like some awesome vibes. The the wine mixer was was yeah a lot like that. Um, It wasn't like a a rule we enforced that people couldn't leave until their bags were empty. But we shouldn't have kicked the hospital. Yeah, yeah. The the attire for this event was jorts and a blazer. (laughs) At least that was my attire every year. (laughs) It was. That's awesome. It it was a good time. So do so. Let me just do a quick round robin. 
Uh, do we have 30 seconds or less for each person, a nugget for this week? I got one. And Kelly, so, the nugget is, is supposed to be, just so you know, you can think about it while we're kind of talking about these, but yeah. uh, some advice either you would give to somebody who is new at leatherworking or at welding, uh, or if you could tell yourself something that you've learned over the years that you wish you knew when you started, what would it be? I'll, I'll buy you some time, Kelly. So right. my nugget this week is not directly woodworking, but it's to learn one song at karaoke where you can get it up, get up there and sing it. And um, yeah, for mine, my first song was Ice Ice Baby. And I would memorize <laughs> it whenever I was on long car trips. Right. And it honestly is it, in a weird way. It's open doors like um you just never know when you need it and who you might impress or like who you might make friends because you got out there and sang it. So uh, learn one, one, learn one karaoke song. Vanilla okay. does it again. All right. How about you, Jess? Um, my bit of advice is when you're taking on a big project, take your time before you start to plan it and write it out and get it all figured out on paper as best as you can first especially if you work with other people so that everybody's on the same page and hopefully you can also identify any mistakes. Just take that time because I, you know, I'm used to doing it off the cuff, quick little drawing and off I go. And then whatever I got to fix later, I'll just fix it and, you know, pivot as I go. But that doesn't always work, especially when you're working with other people. So take your time and write it out. Okay. Kelly, do you have one? You need some more time. Um, well, I definitely have one for for welding. Um, just make sure make sure the surfaces that you're about to weld are clean and shiny, because it makes a huge difference. Um, for I guess just crafting in general, man, if you're getting frustrated, take a breath, take a break, and walk away for a minute, and then come back when you're not in that mind space, because that's how mistakes are made and um yeah take your time and don't get don't get too in your head about it that's good good yes for sure for sure uh for mine it would actually kind of be along the line of uh what jess said about planning um in all honesty i found that uh using sketchup for me and i know i'm not trying to prod jess here uh <laughs> i take the planning level to another extreme uh, then Jess and I do a CAD drawing of every project I'm going to do, uh, except for the planer holder that I made this week. Uh, but I literally, I plan it all out. I know exactly where everything is being done. I can find efficiencies. I know, you know, every dimension of every piece that's going into it. And it saves me a ton of time with layout and being able to make sure I'm buying uh, products accurately and knowing I have enough or too much uh, inventory of things. So it's definitely a huge help on that regard. And it's also allowed me to then, to your point, Kelly, when you're frustrated, you're like, why isn't this working? You go back to that CAD drawing and you're like, this worked perfectly on the computer. How do I translate it? Because I know it's perfect there. So being able to have that like perfectly done reference saves me so much time and frustration down the line. So, all right. Well, uh, anything else we want to add in? I'm good. Uh, well, I was when I, I was listening to some of you guys earlier episode. I'm not going to be too long when I know we're trying to wrap this. You're up. good. 
But uh, I did think it was really interesting talking about uh, the different tannins and different woods bleeding through paint and everything. Because that's actually mm -hmm. how leather is dyed, is with, like, veg-tanned leather is, is dyed with, with like, uh, oak and, and different stuff. Everybody's got different proprietary recipes, but uh, I feel like that kind of ties our, our uh, mediums together. There you go. So, I like it. Thank you, sir. So it's tanned with, like, yeah. you said oak, oak juice? Oak, and I don't know if they use leaves or bark or what, but, yeah, they get the they get the tannins from, from different types of trees. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, process it that way. Interesting. Interessante. Oh, yes. All right. Well, uh, we hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please feel free to send any of your complaints to our Texas legal representation of the Texas Law Hawk. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast, and we will see you guys all next time. See ya. Yippee Kaye. Thanks, guys.